I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings beginning with chapter 15, verse 25, through chapter 16, verse 34, and that's paralleled by 2 Chronicles chapter 17. So, we've been reading about Jeroboam, and now we turn to Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, in verse 25. Verse 25, And Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. And Baasha, the son of Ahijah, the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Baasha smote him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, for Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Even in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, did Baasha slay him and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass when he reigned that he smote all the house of Jeroboam. He left not to Jeroboam any that breathed until he had destroyed him, according unto the saying of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. Because of the sins of Jeroboam which he sinned, and which he made Israel sin, by his provocation wherewith he provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, began Baasha, the son of Ahijah, to reign over Israel in Terzah twenty and four years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. Well, uh, you take note here, there still hasn't been a godly king in Israel, and by the way, there won't be. Jeroboam's son Nadab becomes king of Israel, and yeah, he's bad too. Then Baasha kills Nadab, and subsequently turns loose on all of Jeroboam's descendants and kills them also guess no more kings from Jeroboam, just as the prophet Ahijah had said back in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 14. Well, why is that? Well, the answer is in 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Jeroboam was evil in the sight of God, and it's stated again here in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 30. Now it's King Baasha, and of course, he's bad too. He just couldn't bring himself to serve God. It just never became a tradition among the kings of the northern kingdom, known as Israel, to forsake idols and turn to God as the only one true God. So if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, there's a yellow information box about the summary of King number 2 of Israel, the northern kingdom, from 910 to 909 B.C. That was Nadab. He was evil. Of course he was evil. And by the way, this marks the end of the first dynasty of the newly formed northern kingdom of Israel. Then we come to Baasha, and 
by the way, there's a little information box there for him as well. He's king number three, and he reigned from 909 to 886 B.C. over Israel, the northern kingdom. And uh, there's everything that you need to know about him. Well, let's read about King Baasha in 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Now, I should point out that Second Chronicles doesn't record anything about the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, just the kings of Judah. And that's why our parallel passage doesn't kick in right here. Verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, For as much as I exalted thee out of the dust, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins, behold, I will take away the posterity of Baasha, and the posterity of his house, and will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Him that dieth of Baasha in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth of his in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did, and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried in Terzim, and Eli his son reigned in his stead. And also by the hand of the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, came the word of the Lord against Baasha, and against his house, even for all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, in provoking him to anger with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and because he killed him. Well, could the prophet Jehu have given a more negative prophecy concerning King Baasha of Israel? He declares that his lineage won't continue as kings over Israel. Is it any wonder that the Israeli kings hated God's prophets? His condemnation by the word of the prophet was because of Baasha's treachery and general state of, well, evilness. He's followed by his son Elah. We're now into the second dynasty of the newly formed northern kingdom of Israel, and this dynasty will soon close out with the death of Baasha's son Elah. So we have recorded in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 8 through 14, the short reign of Elah. Verse 8. In the twenty-and-sixth year of Asa king of Judah began Elah the son of Baasha to reign over Israel and Terzah two years. And his servant Zimri, captain of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Terzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Azra, steward of his house in Terzah. And Zimri went in and smote him and killed him in the twenty-and-seventh year of Asa king of Judah and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass when he began to reign, as soon as he sat on this throne, that he slew all the house of Baasha. He left him no one that pisseth against the wall, neither of his kinfolks, nor of his friends. Thus did Zimri destroy all the house of Baasha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Eli his son, by which they sinned and by which they made Israel to sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Elam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So in this passage, Baasha dies, and Elah, his boy, becomes king of Israel, uh, but only for two years. Zimri, one of the Israeli army commanders, kills him and takes over as king of Israel. 
He also wipes out the entirety of Baasha slash Elah's male descendants to put to rest once and for all the prophecy of Jehu against Baasha. This slaying of Baasha's male descendants is expressed in a very interesting way in the Hebrew text. Of modern translations, only the King James Version keeps the Hebrew phrase intact in verse 11, and that's exactly how the Hebrew phrase identifies these male heirs. We're told in verse 12 that this treachery was in accordance with Jehu's prophecy declaring the end of Baasha's dynasty. In addition, we see that Zimri not only slays the male heirs, but also Elah's other male relatives and even his male friends. So, we find a summary in the yellow box provided on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. For king number four, Elah, he reigned from 886 B.C. to 885 B.C., not very long. And, of course, he was evil. And, by the way, this marks the end of the second dynasty of Israel. Then we have the story of Zimri, a fantasy vacation or king of Israel. We look at 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. Verse 15. In the twenty and seventh year of Asa king of Judah did Zimri reign seven days in Tirzah, and the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the people that were encamped heard say, Zimri hath conspired, and hath also slain the king. Wherefore all Israel made Amri, the captain of the host, king over Israel that day in the camp. And Amri went up from Gibbethon, and all Israel with him, and they besieged Terzah. And it came to pass, when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the palace of the king's house, and burnt the king's house over him with fire, and died. For his sins, which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he did to make Israel to sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri, and his treason that he wrought, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Well, he became king of Israel, all right, but only after he killed Elah and took it. We're talking about Zimri here. Ocean cruises last longer than his kingship over Israel. After just seven days, Amri takes over and Zimri commits suicide. He was evil for the whole seven days, though. Whoa, Israel's northern kingdom is a tough place to serve as a king, wouldn't you say? It seems like the moment you get the crown, someone's after your head. The dynasty math gets a little fuzzy here. Zimri was king, well, sort of, but only for seven days, and that was after he killed Elah. Amri, who became the next king, was not related to Zimri. So would you call Zimri's seven-day reign a dynasty? Since the definition of a dynasty is the succession of rulers from the same family, I guess Zimri by himself doesn't actually constitute a dynasty. So for seven days, we're between dynasties two and three. We have a summary of uh, King number 5, Zimri, uh, in a yellow box there in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. 885 B.C. for just seven days. Yep, he was evil. And then Amri moves Israel's capital in 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning with verse 21. Then were the people of Israel divided into two parts. Half the people followed Tibni, the son of Genoth, to make him king, and half followed Amri. 
But the people that followed Amri prevailed against the people that followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath. So Tibni died, and Amri reigned. In the thirty and first year of Asa, king of Judah, began Amri to reign over Israel twelve years. Six years reigned he in Tirzah. And he bought the hill Samaria of Shemer for two talents of silver, and built on the hill, and called the name of the city which he built after the name of Shemer, owner of the hill Samaria. But Amri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did worse than all that were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Amri, which he did, and his might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Amri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab his son reigned in his stead. The divided kingdom gets divided once again, but not for a long time. After the death of Zimri, it says that half the people followed a king named Tibni. However, Amri's people overcame Tibni's people in less than two verses here, and Amri becomes the undisputed king of the northern kingdom. King Amri buys land and builds his new capital city, Samaria, named after the guy, Shemer, from whom he had bought it. He reigns in Samaria for twelve and a half years, and of course, he was evil also. Just wouldn't serve God. So in the yellow box here, another summary of King number 6 from 885 B.C. to 874 B.C. His name is Amri, Northern Kingdom. Yep, bad. Now we're into the third dynasty of Israel, which continues, by the way, through Second Kings chapter 9. It's a long one ending with Amri's great-grandson's death, Jehoram. Now, if you're very familiar with the Bible, the Old Testament, you know about King Ahab. Well, King Ahab sets a record, we see in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 to 34, but not a good record, verse 29. And in the thirty and eight years of Asa king of Judah began Ahab the son of Amri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Amri reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab the son of Amri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbael, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Hael the Bethelite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof and his youngest son, Zegub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Well, Amri's boy, Ahab, becomes king of Israel. His wife, Jezebel, helps make his reign a notable one. Jezebel's father was Ethbael, king of the Zidonians. Zidon, or Sidon, was a Philistine city north of Israel on the coast. Well, why don't parents name their daughters Jezebel, do you suppose? 
As we read, it may become apparent. He and Jezebel were way into Baal worship, built a worship center to Baal in Samaria. He also set up a grove with the Hebrew word there is Asherah, which was actually a wooden image or a pillar representing Ashtoreth, a sensual Canaanitish goddess. In pagan society, she often served as the female complement to Baal. And gleaning from the usage in the Old Testament, it's commonly believed that Ashtoreth was the proper name of the goddess, while Asherah was the name of her image or symbol, which was constructed of wood. Ahab and Jezebel had no use for God or the things of God. Ahab rebuilds Jericho despite the prophecy of Joshua against doing so in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, which says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. And just as the prophecy had stated, he loses, Ahab loses his eldest son and youngest sons, just as Joshua had said. But you have to admit that Ahab and Jezebel are two very colorful and, by the way, evil figures in Israel's history. Ahab is credited with a unique distinction in verse 33. As I said, he set a record. Here's what it says of him there. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, how's that for the record books? Well, then we have a summary of King number 6. He reigned from 874 to 853 B.C. over Israel, the northern kingdom. His name was Ahab, with his lovely wife Jezebel. Now we finally get over to the same time period as recorded in Second Chronicles 17. So if it's in Chronicles, must be Judah, the southern kingdom. Talking about Jehoshaphat here, big name with a big army. Verse 1. And Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel." Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also in the third year of his reign he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hael, and to Obadiah, and to Zechariah, and to Nethanael, and to Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah." And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaiah, and Nethaniah, and Zebediah, and Asahel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehonathan, and Adonijah, and Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, Levites, and with them Elishama, and Jehoram, priests. And they taught in Judah, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and went about throughout all the cities of Judah, and taught the people." And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver, and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, and 7,700 he-goats. 
And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. And he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. And these are the numbers of them according to the house of their fathers, of Judah the captain of thousands, Adna the chief, and with him mighty men of valor, three hundred thousand. And next to him was Jehohanan the captain, and with him two hundred and fourscore thousand. And next to him was Amasiah the son of Zichri, who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him two hundred thousand mighty men of valor. And of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him armed men with bow and shield, two hundred thousand. And next him was Jehazabad, and with him an hundred and fourscore thousand ready prepared for the war. These waited on the king, besides those whom the king put in the fenced cities throughout all Judah. While the northern kingdom was screaming through a line of kings, the southern kingdom gets Jehoshaphat as their king. Mentioned first in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 24, as the successor to his father Asa. Jehoshaphat was a good king, as was his dad Asa, at least in the early part of his reign. Uh, like his dad, he got rid of the high places at the beginning of his reign, but we see by Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 33, we're not there yet, but we see when we get over there, that those high places later reappeared, and, oh, he let it go. Fighting idol worship was a constant uphill battle among the Jews. But look at Jehoshaphat's army. I count it to be altogether well over a million strong. No wonder all the kings around him were sending gifts. I mean, he was zealous in the ways of the Lord, even sending priests and teachers out to the people of Israel to teach them the ways of the one true God. Jehoshaphat stays around through chapter 20, and he gets a lot of coverage in 1 Kings and 2 Kings as well, from 1 Kings 15 all the way to 2 Kings chapter 8 when his son Jehoram begins to reign in his stead. So we have a summary in the yellow box here, which is the last thing that we look at for today's reading, a summary of King number 4 over Judah. From 873 to 848 B.C., his name is Jehoshaphat. And by the way, he was a good king. A few things mentioned bad about him, but basically he was a good king. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.